Hello and welcome to the In the Trenches podcast. I'm your host, Lenny Teller, along with our under, other wonderful host, Ernest Snooks. And on like Moya Green, our Wi-Fi is COVID protected. How are you tonight, Ernest? Oh, I'm pretty good, man. It's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. Yes, it uh, we've got we've got lots of material, you know, um, thanks to a number of sources. Um and I think it's going to turn out to be a, a very interesting episode. Um, first of all, we got a bunch of reports. We do. And, um, and they are... All good. Really. Yeah. Mostly... Oh, they're all bad. fact, every... and legitimate. Oh, yeah. Every, every single report is, is very, very bad. Um, and definitely not what we, the people want to hear um but the one that we're missing is the the kind of the one that everyone's been on pins and needles waiting for we're we're still waiting on good old dame moya green to drop us off that old report about um the premier's economic recovery team mm-hmm. yeah. i'm wondering if the report is doing is just social distancing right now maybe it's in quarantine maybe it was shipped from london and can't be touched because you oh. have to wait three to five days and then in Newfoundland, another 14 days of quarantine. Well, I think that, um, you know, with the lockdowns going on in the UK, that the Wi-Fi is locked down too. Because, you know, you don't want to be having a Zoom meeting and, and get sick from that, you know, because COVID seems to be able to go through everything these days. That's right. Maybe, um, maybe, and, and maybe Trudeau is trying a censorship bill in London so oh, well, it's, the liberals don't like what it says, so we're not going to release it, and it's just going to get deleted from the COVID meeting or the sorry, the Zoom meeting. But hey, don't worry. If we're, we're we're thinking about that, we've sent off our best and our brightest doctors and nurses off to Ontario to uh, sort everything out up there. I mean, after they were so successful in rural Newfoundland and Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they, we, we had enough doctors to spare during these times that we just sent them on up to, up to Ontario and they're going to go up there and do the Lord's work. And you know what? Honestly, God bless them for doing it. But at the same time, we got enough problems here. Yeah. And I guess we should give a shout out since nobody else is to Dr. Allison Fury. Yes. Who uh, is not getting the credit she deserves because there she is referred to as the premier's wife. And she's and an accomplished woman. She should not be identified as just the premier's wife because obviously she's a lot more than that. She's a mother of three. Yep. She is married to Mr. Fury, of course. She's an accomplished doctor who's now put her life on the line to go help our friends on the mainland. Yes. And I mean, the last thing, and I mean, listen, you know, I would rather call her Dr. Allison Fury anyway, because I mean, the last thing I would want is to associate her with the premium, <laughs> <laughs> you know that, but you know, we don't hold that against, she, she's, she's premier Fury's wife. We don't hold that against her, but I recognize her for her accomplishments, not for, for who she, she married. Um, you know, we're not, we're not like that on this podcast. Um, but you know, it, it, it's good that they're out doing that. But I mean, I do wish that instead of making this like a PR campaign, like the CBC and the other news outlets are trying to say like, this is uh, going to help 
you know, our relationship with Ottawa and, and this and that. And like, I, I don't really see how we sent three doctors, a couple of nurses and a nurse practitioner, you know, un, unless they're over there, like battling, like completely wiping out COVID in Ontario. I, I really don't see how it's going to help us in our rate mitigation negotiations with Ottawa. Like it's, it's more or less just something to distract us from the situation at hand, you know, with, with Fury's government or lack thereof. Um, you know, it's, hey, look, my the, this big shiny military plane came and picked up Dr. Allison Fury and, and the crew. Look at this, guys. It, it's we're, we're, we're doing our part. We're helping the Confederation that has barely helped us. Yeah, we've sent more doctors and nurses away to help Ontario than we have members in the House of, uh, House of Commons. <laughs> I know, and it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. On the bright side, the only thing that I will give the government some credit for, and I can't give it to Fury himself, you know, I got to give, you know, Dwight Ball some credit too. And I'm, I'm not a huge Dwight Ball, you know, fan by any means. I think he's done good and I think he's done bad. But, you know, they did, he did do a good job at minimizing the, the COVID situation here. And, Fury is just following the guidelines that he, that Ball and, you know, the existing health uh, authority with Fitzgerald and, and the other members of the Department of Health um, put in place. Yes. So we are, you know, we're in good streets for that. A lot of people have been vaccinated. Um, my, my whole family has, and I'm, I'm so glad about that. You know, it's, it's a huge weight off my shoulders um, because, you know, both of us, you know, me and you, we still go to work every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always that risk because we both have elderly family members at home that we could take it home to them. So that they're vaccinated and and sufficiently safe um, is, you know, a huge weight off my shoulders. And you know what? I got to thank the government of Newfoundland and Labrador for doing something right. Yes. Now, they've gotten to a point where they're soon going to have to open it up to everybody. Yes. Because there's nobody left. I mean, I'm not vaccinated yet because Nobody knows. Nobody can tell. I'm a teacher, but I'm not vaccinated. Whatever you want to call it. But we we haven't made the list yet. No, and that's that's a huge problem too. Like like we need to sit down and and have this conversation. But the problem is is that there's so many competing interests on who's getting next. Because I mean, we're all rearing to get that done. Like, I mean, and, and it's, it's understandable that people want to get, you know, on that list. And, and you know what? Full disclosure, I got vaccinated. You know, I'm not because I was an essential worker or anything like that, but because I have, I'm, I'm indigenous. So, mm-hmm. and you know what, but you know, like, you know, my job, I'm not going to say it, you know, to everyone, but people who know me know what I do. And I mean, I'm in, I'm in touch with the public every day. Right. Like and every based single on that day alone, you should have been vaccinated. I, I get the, the, the merits of how we started. Mm-hmm. 
um, was absolutely correct. The most vulnerable among us, our seniors, our elderly folks. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I have a father who is a quadriplegic who only got vaccinated this past week because changes to the guidelines happened where it said, okay, now we're going to accept any age group over the age of 16 or 18 who is most vulnerable. That's the only reason he has it. And it, it's not acceptable in, in, in my sense as he should have been one of the first ones along with my grandparents and then next it should have been essential workers because oh, folks absolutely. like yourself have been asked to not just work through the very brief second wave we had, but you had to work the entire time. And they gave you an extra $2 an hour for a few months and said, oh, well, thank you for your service. Oh, I didn't even get that. But like, okay. well, 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 I didn't get the, the Dominion kind of pay raise. Like I got the, um, the essential worker top up, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, which helped. But then the government also taxed it, which I thought was a smack in the face. Yeah. Because like, like, I'm sorry to kind of cut you off there because like I actually have something pertinent about this whole essential worker debate or this discussion on who who is because um, I said, first of all, it was bad enough that I worked through all of this. I had, you know, I put on my mask. I sanitized my hands more times than I can count. Um, and I was incredibly cautious and I didn't miss a day of work. I worked the entire, like throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And the issue then was when I went to get vaccinated, you know, they said, are you an essential worker? And, you know, you, you figured, cause you know, I, my, my job was open, it classified as, as an essential service. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm an essential service. I'm an essential worker. Well, what do you do? And I told them what I did, you know, uh, and they just, and they kind of looked and they said, that's not essential. Mm-hmm. And, like I, I know it's not the people at the at the counter there who was doing the, you know, putting in the information. It's not their decision who's essential or not. But I kind of took that as a bit of a, a, a thing there because I, I was like, well, I didn't miss a day of work. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to stay home and, and be and be, you know, stuck in my house on serve. You know, and, and, and be honest, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. That's not something that I, I had any interest in doing. I was actually worried that I would go on serve, not because, you know, it's money. It's, you know, you don't know if your job is coming back or not. It's because I don't like to be um, reliant on government. It's, it's not, you know, as, as you know, I'm, I'm the kind of uh, conservative who doesn't believe in that. Um, so... You know, when they said to me, like, you know, you're not essential, I, I kind of said, well, somebody should have told me that about, you know, <laughs> a year ago, because then I would have just gone home. Yeah. But, but, you know, that that's just like, there's this weird class system coming up now, because, you know, when, when, when this all started, the, the grocery workers, the, the mechanics, the, you know, all these other people were, were called essential, you know, we were the, the COVID heroes. You know, we were we were working through the pandemic to make sure that um, Karen had her avocados and um, and her uh, organic salads, um, and um, and things like that. But all of a sudden, now once the vaccines roll out, 
we're no longer the heroes. We're just those those jerks who have to go, you know, trying to squeeze in on the vaccine before the um, the important people. And right. that's why I said we are not the um, we weren't essentials. We were expendables. And we were the people who were not important enough to go home. And we weren't special enough to save. We we were sacrificed. We were um, yeah. We were expendable, I guess is the way this is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And it hits home kind of like that. Like you you realize like all those things they said about us, you know, like they were they're banging pots and, and crap. Like remember when they were doing that, like you know, bang a pot um <laughs> for your essential workers and that? Yeah. You know, it like none of that mattered after once the vaccines came out. Then it was a free-for-all, then it was every interested party for themselves. You know, like we 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 were only useful, like I said, when we were giving you your avocados or selling you your car parts or doing this or that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you your needs then suddenly you became we we were no longer heroes. We were just another grasping person that was trying to keep you away from your precious Pfizer vaccine. Or well, now it's all Pfizer. Everyone now wants the Pfizer. By the way, you notice that like everyone only wants to get Pfizer. Yeah. Um, like because they're fear mongered into believing that like um, Moderna is bad and AstraZeneca is worse and Johnson and Johnson will I don't know make your nose grow hair or something like that so they don't want that they only want the the Pfizer. Um, you know I I I say this and I got the Pfizer but that wasn't my choice. No, it's it, it's funny like I I kind of. For me, the main thing is my, my my grandparents are vaccinated and my father's vaccinated. The the odd part about all of this is the gray area some folks fall in when they're not a caregiver and such as they go into a home and take care of somebody. But like in my case where I live with the elderly... And then I have a father in a wheelchair. I am surrounded by all the most vulnerable people. And I also work in a heavy populated area. But there's no resource for me, which is fine now because they're vaccinated. So if I happen to get it before my, my name comes up on the vaccine ball, I'll go into quarantine and there's a chance they don't get it now, or there's a chance it's if they do get it, it's going to be a lot less damaging than it would be, which gives me peace of mind. If I get it, there's a good chance I can fight it off. I don't want it, but if I happen to get it, there's a good chance I'll survive. And now I I have peace of mind that way. Oh, and, and it's the same with me. Like I'm, I have that too because like I don't have to like, you know, like I said, you know, you have that peace of mind. You don't have that that fear that you're going to bring home something that could, you know, wipe out, you know, your your family mm-hmm. or decimate it. I mean, like that's. I mean, we only have to look at India. I mean, people are dying in droves, mm-hmm. and I have I have I have friends over there, man. Like they locked down a state called Maharashtra. It's it's shut, and it's just pyres are everywhere it's, it's messed up um like i'm so glad 
Like we live in a place where the these shortages and the the spread hasn't been so significant. Right. But you know, so so good on the you know, I'm I'm not really gonna give the premier like the the glory for this. Like this is the public health. This is the the workers and and Dr. Janice Fitzgerald and and and, and people like that. You know, Fury Fury just sits there and takes the credit, but there's other people who work behind the scenes to make make these decisions now mind you the caseload is starting to go up again but that's a whole different kind of debate and one that maybe we should have in the future um should things shut down again Mm -hmm. um but you know things otherwise you know the house has opened up um the hijinks have started and we're watching our best and our brightest join hands together up at up on at the Confederation Building to sit down and figure out all those problems that have plagued Newfoundland, and they're getting right to work on on uh, election reform. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean there was an issue. Oh no, there wasn't really. No, there wasn't an issue because you see, the right party won. Right. You know, if if the Conservatives one or if there was a um if there was a minority government we wouldn't be doing this we would be figuring out what happened and how we could make sure that the the party that uh, is in power stays in power um but don't worry justice johnny horgan there he's gonna he's gonna fix that up or john hogan um i keep getting him mixed up with the other fellow in british columbia john um i think his name is horgan isn't it um but no, it's Hogan. Uh, John Horgan is the premier of BC. Yeah, and but and John Hogan is the um, minister of justice. I mean, it, it's it's yes. literally the funny thing is it's hey, literally hey, one letter from the hit show Suits. I call like I said, I call him um, Johnny Justice. You know, he's Johnny Justice Hogan now, um, and he's going in with a bang. You know, he's coming in. He's saying, listen. I make that we're making the decisions. We're going to decide who who forms this this committee. It's going to be mostly liberals, mm-hmm. and you're all going to sit there and look pretty while I do my best to make sure that the next election it's in our favor. Especially if it's another COVID election. Golly gee whiz! I hope so. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's. And of course, he, he went to Dalhousie. So, I mean, you know, that's just like every Newfoundland lawyer for some reason went to Dalhousie or UNB. Um, not knocking them. Speaking of that, actually, speaking of just law school, do you know Munn wants to have a law school? Hmm. Um, there's no need for it. But for some reason, we feel that we need a justice. We need a law school. Um we don't need more doctors. We don't need to expand the medical school and increase the amount of seats, which was something Patty Daly's been talking about. I think it's it's a good idea. Yes. Because um, one thing we do not have is enough doctors. And common sense dictates. And I mean, CNA has, has done this. Whenever there's a demand for a certain field, Absolutely. CNA shifts and they they have everything set up in place so that they can accommodate that. But for some reason, MUN, which is, of course mostly directed by government 
because I mean they they foot the bill, or I should say we do. Um, they don't get to make these decisions. So somebody figures that you know they need a prestige project, and of course, as we know, Lenny, prestige projects work out so well in Newfoundland and Labrador. Mm-hmm. You know, sprung greenhouse, uh, Trans Canada Highway, um, Muskrat Falls. Um, Steve Kent's hair. Um, <laughs> uh, I had to say it. I had to say it. Um, but um, you know, like we don't need this. We need more doctors. We need more nurses. We keep hearing this all the time. Like we keep hearing everyone say, either we can't get enough doctors, we can't recruit enough. Um. We, we can't seem to train them. They don't want to stay here. Well, where are they all from? Oh, they're from Ontario. They're from, um, I don't know, Sri Lanka. They're from, um, you know, other places. They're coming here as international students because we love that sweet international student money. Mm-hmm. Um, rightfully so, because they charge a ridiculous amount of money for this. Um, but, you know, we, if we had more seats for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, I think we would see more doctors stay in the province, especially if we bring in people from rural and and more isolated areas, you know, people from Labrador. We have a huge problem with people uh, with um, getting qualified medical personnel in Labrador because, I mean, it's it's cold and there's not much to do out there. Um, Except like, I don't know, watch caribou and polar bears. I can already hear Jordan Brown like somewhere shouting out this is not true and compiling a letter of why I'm why I'm completely wrong about Labrador. But um <laughs> um people just don't want to go. And if we had people from these, you know, these communities, like I don't know, there's gotta be someone in Makovic or in um Cartwright that sh- that can get into med school mm-hmm. um, and just can't because they've tried you know five or six times. Um, and they just can't seem to get that seat. Um, there's there's got to be somebody. I'm wondering if it's that far-fetched of an idea. We're not a big province. We have a lot yep. of land mass, which every time you say Newfoundland and Labrador is not a big province, you're always able to so much land. People are everywhere. Absolutely. It takes a long time to get everywhere. And it's a mess most days, but that's what makes Newfoundland and Labrador, Newfoundland and Labrador. That's what makes it great. Um, when I was in Alberta, I attended, and this is a backstory, it has nothing to do with what I'm going to tell you, but I attended a symposium on the um, truth and reconciliation commitments that the federal government made after that re- report was released. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I that. the city of Wood Buffalo said, we're going to pinpoint a select number of these and this is what we're going to focus on. And they called a bunch of us together. We met with indigenous groups. And one of the indigenous leaders who travels all across Canada and parts of the United States talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, a program on some reserves that do almost what you said like CNA does. The, the reserve looks at it and says, what is the need of our community? Is it doctors? Is it nurses? Do we need a lawyer? Do the people here need a lawyer? Do we need counselors? Do we need teachers? And then they try to recruit from within. 
So they might pick out a student and say, you know what, uh, if you want to be a lawyer, um, we will pay for your university as long as you commit to us X amount of years. And it will be all free. We'll make sure that you can finish your program. We'll give you everything you need. But you need to do this for us in return. And it works out very, very, very well. Because it encourages kids to know that there's a chance they can be something. And it also gives the reserve the chance of competing and self-sustaining because they have it even worse of the issues that we have in Newfoundland and Labrador of trying to recruit and retain people to come here. Would it be that far-fetched of an idea for the Newfoundland mm-hmm. government to say, you know what, you're gifted. You, you're, you can be a great doctor. Um, we know money might be an issue. Scholarships are hard to get. Is it that far-fetched of an issue to say, you know what, we're going to pay you to go to medical school. We're going to make sure your needs are met. And as long as you give us five or 10 year commitment to stay here, when you finish, you have no debt to us. Other than the fact that you are going to be given a job when you walk out of that building from day one. Yeah. Is it that far-fetched of an idea in a province of 550,000 or 60,000 people to do that as a province? Uh, for the Newfoundland government, yes, it is. It's too much. It's too practical. Like one thing I've known, one thing I've learned, you know, living in this province is that we do not like to do the, uh, how do I say it? The right thing. Um, we don't like to do the common sense thing. And that's why we suffer in the situation we're in. Um, I think though that it should be done. Like we should, because I mean, there are a lot of needs that need to be recognized here. Mm-hmm. And especially in, in Labrador, like I, I got to admit, like it is a place that we need to concentrate more on because I, I, I believe that Labrador has a lot of potential, both in, in the people who live there and on the land of itself. Like I believe it should be more developed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that way then like the problems that they have with the roads and with, um, with getting supplies and that would be a lot, would be minimalized, but we need to be able to funnel people in there. And the way to do that is to, is to, you know, recruit from within, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we just don't do that. Newfoundland and Labrador looks to everyone else, but our own, but, but ourselves to, fill these gaps you know we we have doctors that we we recruit doctors from certain countries you know south africa pakistan india um um, egypt um lebanon nigeria you know these kinds of places um but even then it's it's still very limited and and there's another thing actually lenny you have to to realize too about shortage of doctors Uh, there's a lot of political decisions at play here um, and the reason I think that we're not seeing the, the medical school maybe expand as much as it should is because the health corporations, you know, Western Health, Grenfell, um, you know, Eastern, they're not going to get the doctors to go where they want them to go. Like, right. I, I know for a fact 
that there's a large push right now for doctors to be based in Cornerbrook and stay in Cornerbrook. They they do not want you to be out in um, like Black Duck Siding or out in um, Cape St. George or, or in Bay St. George or anything like that. They want you in, in, in Cornerbrook, you know, like right centralized. And the problem, and the thing with medicine is it can't be centralized. Like not in a province like this, it has to be spread out. Um, and this is, and, and, but they don't do that. You know, they, they push doctors away and certain doctors who don't play ball, who don't want to live and work primarily in Cornerbrook, they get froze out and they get sick of it and they go on because I mean, they are in demand as much as, as, and you know, we, we all know that, you know, you, there's always a demand for a doctor or, or a surgeon or a specialist and these health organizations want these want these primary caregivers, you know, these doctors and these surgeons in their main hospitals, but they want to give us like the nurse practitioners, the RNs, you know, um, the the lower levels on the on the ladder. I'm not dismissing these these people's skills, but the they want the best in the city and the rest everywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the thing. And that's something that has to change. And I think that we need to take a look at the, the health authorities and kind of look at what are they doing to keep doctors in these certain areas? Because, I mean, you know, there's, there's this fear now, as you know, with the Stephenville, with the Cornbrook Hospital uh, nearing completion, mm-hmm. finally. Um, they don't know how Stephenville's going to do. I mean, Stephenville serves about 20 odd thousand people. So we don't have anything here now. Essentially, we're, we're, a, ra- we're a waiting room where you can get an ingrown toenail cut out um, and get other basic services um, and dialysis. But I mean, everything else, you have to go to Cornerbrook. You know, you want to have a child. You, gotta, you, you can't have a child in Port of Basque. You can't have a child in Stephenville. You definitely can't have one out in the Cape. You got to go to Cornerbrook, um, and that that situation in Labrador where that fellow was um, was very very sick, and he couldn't get um, an right. air ambulance. You know that that was ridiculous. Like that that there, somebody should have got fired for that because somebody almost died, mm-hmm. and they're lucky they're not dead. Like it's just the grace of God that they're not. And if I was them, I would have called for someone's head. Metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. yep. uh, and there's in, in in terms of medical, there there are certain things that can be done to reduce costs, but you still need to have resources close to you, like midwifing. It worked when it worked, and as we advance, yep. okay, there's no more need for this. But as we've seen in the world of COVID, it's to resort back to an older way of life, a more simpler way of life. So midwifing could be there in terms of having a baby, say, where you're to, instead of having, as we saw two or three weeks ago with the young, the young lady from Bay St. George who 
to live with her baby on the side of the highway because yeah. she was told, no, you're not, you're not far enough along yet. Go home and come back. And she went home, and by the time she tried to get back, it was too late. She delivered her own child <laughs> while she was in labor in the front seat of her car. Something like that, a midwife at the Stephen Hospital could have prevented. Now, if there are complications, you do want somebody to stand by that are like, oh, shit, the umbilical cord is wrapped around a baby's neck. Or... But, we, but a general surgeon is, is qualified enough to at least you know, assess that and, and, and do something right. about it. They, they do have, cause you know, every surgeon, every doctor has does certain rounds, you know, they do during their internship, they do do work in the, you know, obstetrics and in um, geriatrics and, and the other departments, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have to, and I mean, for good reason. Um, and definitely helping somebody give birth or responding to complications is uh you know, I, I don't think you're going to forget those parts of the lessons, um, not easily. So I think that, like you said, there is there is a need for midwives. But the issue here is not that what we need. It's what it's the politics within the health authorities. That's the huge problem here. And that's that's Newfoundland. Newfoundland yeah. is driven by by these internal petty politics. The, yeah. Because the more surgeons they have and more doctors they have at, at, at certain big hospitals, you know, they're, they're flagship hospitals, then the more funding they might be able to wrangle out. And the funny thing is though, I was told by someone who worked within the health authority um, that there is a kind of way that we can get these things done. We can kind of make, we can kind of push the health authority to, make changes and it's 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 ridiculously simple um and it applies to pretty much every other branch of you know every other department in government it's they don't like when you make noise Mm -hmm. you know no no noise is good they like no noise that means everything is working fine your funding stays the same if not increases you know everyone's happy but if there's noise and there's attention and there's bad optics questions start being raised and, and people start getting uncomfortable and question and you know it just they they get nervous so if we started complaining and really complaining putting up protests about you know the lack of um of obstetrics and gynecology at, at sir thomas roddick hospital or you know the lack of a midwife here and in port of ass like I'm, I'm from port of ass so i gotta i gotta share it in my town so, like, we, we need a midwife out there. No one should have to drive two or three hours to have a child. Not not in, in modern-day Newfoundland. I mean, for God's sakes, my father was born in Port of Basque. Literally, I was born there mm-hmm. in that hospital. No one had to drive my mother to Cornerbrook. But now, if I have a child, i got to drive him to Cornerbrook. Like, yeah. what in God, like, if we make noise about this and we put pressure Things can change because the, our government are pushovers. You know, we only got to look at um, at recent decisions on naming lakes um, to see how easy it is to make exactly. the government stop what they're doing and change their mind. If we can um, if we make enough noise to temporarily postpone or hopefully revert decisions made over the name of a lake, I would hope that making noise is enough 
to challenge and to change and to advance the healthcare system in terms of saving people's lives. Yep. And I think Newfoundland and Labrador, and maybe I'm biased. I mean, I'm 30 years old, but as, as you're quite aware, I think more if I was born in the 19, early 1900s. Yep. And for some millennials out there and, and later and younger folk who think their early 1900s was the 1990s, no, it wasn't. Um, my mindset is always there. Newfoundland and Labrador is the perfect size, the perfect size to try these things. We have no money. The resources are scarce. We have a project over our head that in the future, I think it's going to help us. I don't think Muskrat Falls is all doom and gloom. I think we had the wrong people in the wrong places who had more interest in mind than what it should have been. But I do think we are the perfect size to try the midwife, to try oh, absolutely. the hometown doctors and small towns who want to be there. They're out there. They, they can be recruited. Um, and to start a culture shift of, well, St. John's got all this, so why doesn't Stephenville or Cornerbrook or Deer Lake get it all? We don't need everything. We, what, we don't like, need like, any that, of it, really. Like, we need some of it. But what St. John's has, St. John's is a city. St. John's is not what Newfoundland and Labrador is. It is the place that gets all the noise because of the population. But Newfoundland and Labrador is pretty much everything else outside of the overpass, contrary to what they may think in St. John's. It is an important player. There's absolutely no doubt. St. John's is needed in this province. And... We love it. We love everybody in St. John's. Yeah. But we, we seem to look at Newfoundland and Labrador. Look at St. John's. The most prominent pitchers that come into Newfoundland and Labrador are usually the Rainbow Lane. Yeah. That's not Newfoundland and Labrador. We forget about the hard workers, the fishermen, the farmers, the ranchers. It's no wonder all this is dying off because all everyone sees is, well, St. John's is getting all this. So let's mimic what St. John's does. And maybe we'll get it too. And we're just having an identity crisis right across the board and it's raping us in money. It's, it, it, it just is ruining in us. And no government will stand up and say it. Well, yes, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and the other thing is, is that like, it, it is that kind of envy that pervades our, our culture. You know, Cornerbrook has, was promised this, this fancy... Uh, diagnostic machine you know that one that costs like three or four million dollars mm-hmm. you know like one thing i'd like to wonder and i mean like maybe it is necessary maybe it's not but i think like when we are deciding on you know what services to kind of put in in say western newfoundland um i think we need to say like okay do we need like every kind of specialist in in newfoundland that st john's has out in cornerbrook right. probably not like there's not like, but we should see what is in demand. What what is like the health requirements here? Mm-hmm. You know, is is there a lot of people who um, have cancer? Which yes, they do. So you know, should we have more of an emphasis on, um, you know, um, cancer fighting um, equipment? 
you know, for chemo and, and the other specialists that come along with it. Um, I think it's like endocrinologist or something like that. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent because I'm, I'm not in that field, but um, you know, these, these other groups, um, do we need so many doctors? Okay. Maybe we don't. Okay. If, if there is only like a lot of doctors here are essentially just renewing prescriptions, you know, is this something that we can pass off to a, a doctor's assistant or a, um, a nurse practitioner? You know, oh, well, and, and yes, you can, like the pandemic proved that. Like the 811 now, you can get um, your prescription, certain prescriptions renewed, mm-hmm. um, but not those that are classified as, um, as narcotics. Or, or certain control, I should say controlled substances, not, not narcotics, controlled substances, you know, like ADHD medications and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we need to look at changing that because, you know, if, if someone is like has Asperger's and, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, maybe, you know, they can get this professional, like this nurse practitioner, just to write them their prescription. And that frees up the doctor for other valuable um, cases, you know, other investigations. That way he's not sitting in his office all day, running his, um, his uh, prescription pad dry. Um, like then that, that, that's something we really need to look at. And I mean, because like, as I said, you know, it comes in with this culture of St. John's has it, so must we, but it also comes in this culture of we, the only, the only thing we have is doctors. It ties in like what I said earlier, everyone wants the Pfizer vaccine. Everyone wants the doctor. They don't want a nurse practitioner. They don't want a, um, a, a medical assistant. No, they don't want the pharmacist. They want doctors because they feel that the doctor can do everything. And by God, the doctor can do a lot, but the doctor, but he's not necessary for everything. Right. And that's I can't speak for everywhere. But I'll I'll use this as an example and and someone in Alberta can tell me if I'm absolutely out in left field on this because it is a small area that I'm looking at. Um, Fort McMurray, well, we'll say Wood Buffalo, has about 88,000 people as of 2016 in that entire region. We'll use the fire region because that's the only numbers I've ever heard in terms of total population. So we'll say 88, 90,000 back in 2016. There's a nice big hospital in Fort McMurray where you can do the majority of things. Yes, there is. There are still some things you need to go to Edmonton for, which is about five hours away. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I drove on that road. Maybe. Is it? It's hard to say. Is there one centralized point in Newfoundland and Labrador where you can say, okay, you're... Like for us, for example, is there anywhere in Newfoundland we can say the longest you're going to have to drive for any service, unless it's extremely rare, is five hours away? There's a certain service that you need that cannot be fulfilled at your local clinic or your hospital 
in your town or your region, the most you're going to drive is five to five and a half hours away. You do not have to make the nine and a half hour trip. Is there anywhere in Newfoundland and Labrador you could put a center like that? The Health Center of Excellence, right in the middle of Newfoundland and Labrador, and have another one in St. John's, and have a smaller scale one up in Labrador that does the exact same thing. Have three Center of Excellence hospitals, along with more localized clinics slash hospitals that are more lower scale. Yeah, Does that yeah, cut like, the cost of healthcare down and make it more manageable to retain people? It, now it's hard to say. Like, like I, I'd like to be able to bring someone on to the show. So if anyone here who has some kind of uh, knowledge or experience with that wants to come in and, and chat to us about it, I mean, I think that would be a good conversation. Um, but like, honestly, it, it's not one that I'm, I'm really qualified to make because like the demands of are different. Now there is a need to have um this kind of center of health center of excellence um outside of st john's like i i like i could see gander or i should say grand falls i mean i could see grand falls because grand falls is is central you know it's it's a couple hours drive it's not completely out of the way there should be something in labrador like i said and that should be i think based on what are the dire needs out there Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing we need to do for Labrador is definitely um, change the way that emergencies are responded to. I think it's it's very like I said this this recent case in Labrador is is a wake up call and it's very unacceptable. Um, so that's that's something that has to be looked into and hopefully if we can get someone from Labrador on to talk about you know, the, the challenges of getting certain services in Labrador too, you know, hey, if you want to come in, like send me or Lenny a message, we'd love to, we'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, we don't really talk enough about the big land and I think we should, cause it is an integral and permanent part of Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, it's indivisible from us, in my opinion. Um, and it should be treated with the exact same respect and um, focus that new, that the Island gets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now, speaking of decisions, um, Red Indian Lake, that uh, that has been a bit of an ordeal, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I understand some of the outrage you know, around the name. I mean, Red Indian is not exactly what you would call a, a PC word anymore, phrase. Um, but I, one thing that I disagree with, and this is coming from someone who is a, you know, a, I'm a status Indian, you know, I'm, I'm Halibu, you know, um, I do not agree with changing its name to a Mi'kmaq name. I, I, I can't agree with that. If they were going to call it like Beothic Lake, great, that's fine because that's the original inhabitants. My people are not the original inhabitants. I'm very sorry to say that. It, it, there's no evidence that we were here pre-discovery, um, or, or I should say pre-Columbian um, times. Um, and I also think it was very bad taste for the government to just do this almost unilaterally. 
um, you know, they came out, they said, we spoke to this group of Indigenous leaders, none of which were from the area of Millertown or, mm. or Buckins or anything like that. Because I think, I think that's where Buckins is too, isn't it? Like, uh, I believe. That. I, I've, I've actually never been to Buckins and anyone from Buckins, I'm sorry. Um, I I'll want try to, to make say a point. wherever it's too, the MHA is Chris Tibbs because he's been very, 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 very vocal on this. I, yes, and I, I think the other one is, um, God, I, I know the MP has also said a few things on it too um because i've I listened to vocm um on occasion mm-hmm. um but the the issue here is is that they did not consult the local people both indigenous and non and i think that was the huge mistake like they just went to a certain individual they said give us a name he went to his like a, a committee of other indigenous leaders and they came up they agreed on on this one name you know peaceful lake um i i can see the outrage that people had um but i can also see the reason why certain Mi'kmaq groups are interested in kind of taking this name and 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 running with it you know and putting it forward because um there's a lot of controversy on you know around the Beothic and what happened and, and the, it's a very dark thing to talk about, right. you know, it, it's still controversial even to this day. Like what role did everyone play in their extinction? And it, it's a tragic thing. And I, I am sad that, you know, a group of people was rendered non-existent. You know, that's, that's a terrible thing. And that's something that we must acknowledge that we played a role in in some in in some way shape or form you know we we all had a role in that like or i should say our ancestors but i think that certain groups are trying to take this and run with it in order to legitimize their own presence on this island no, they're trying to say, like, we are the inheritors of the Biotic legacy. We're the ones bringing the remains over. And, and certain leaders have used in articles, they've used this, this very personal language. Mm-hmm. Um, they've said, like, you know, like, they are my people. They, I, I felt connected with them. You know, I, 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 they are us and, and et cetera and et cetera and, and, and going on. And I'm not dismissing that they are that they don't feel some attachment to them but i my cynical mind does that work and i'm always kind of on guard to um kind of see maybe not everything is is up front as it seems right and you know if you're bringing back these remains and your your group is going to be overseeing the the burial you know, of these, of these people, of these, these two last remaining Beothic, um, you know, their bodies have been in Scotland and, and then that shouldn't have happened. That sh- they should have been brought home. You know, yeah. we, we as Newfoundlanders ourselves, um, you know, we, we know how important it is to come home and 200 years is damn too long. Um, so I give them credit for the efforts and bringing it back, um, bringing back these remains, but I think what they're trying to say or put themselves forward as is the inheritors 
of of the Beothic and kind of say, in, in a way, kind of push any notions that certain groups um you know I'm, i have to be i'm trying not to cause any problems here i just want to say that you know i don't want to offend anyone or ruffle feathers so i'm not going to say any specific groups or names you know certain groups indigenous or otherwise want to position themselves in order to kind of i guess like i said legitimize their presence and legitimize their history on the island because there really isn't that much archaeological evidence that, you know, group that I, you know, what the hell, I, the groups that I'm with, like the Mi'kmaq, have been here, you know, pre-Columbus, um, you know, pre-1500s. There's, there's not much. If, if there is, it's scant. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I can trace my own, like, family's indigenous heritage, and it, it's from Shetty Camp in Nova Scotia, like we, we weren't like, we weren't always from here. Now, maybe there's some people who just, who, who, who can only trace their lineage to here. And that's, that's great. But like, you know what I'm trying to say here? It it just seems like they're trying to like, they're trying to like drive the, the message home that like they had nothing that they are taking this, this land and they're becoming the new stewards. You know, they're, 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 taking the torch that the Beothic have passed. That's what I'm really trying to say. And in doing so, they're kind of being able to kind of move the conversation in a way that benefits them um, and, and their group. And this is my own people. So I, I don't agree with that. Um, and that's why I'm against having the name change to a, a Mi'kmaq term. I, I, I think it should be Beothic Lake and or, or whatever the local people who live there now, it's their damned area. They can decide what they want to name it. They want to call it like, and now, by the way, Lenny, I got to say this, are, are we going to start seeing name changes around here? Because we have a few um, on PC names, don't we? Oh my God, yes. Indian head. What a... <laughs> <laughs> But, but that name, Indian Head, so I'll, I'll just say that for an example, comes because if you look at Indian Head Mountain, it looks like an Indian lying down with a big Indian head. Yep. Um, it, it, to me, it's... There's none of them left. So to say we're going to change the name when you have absolutely no business to do so is arrogant. It is. It's not going to change the fact that you were part of a history that you don't like because now you're going to change it to peaceful. There is no reconciliation for what happened because there's nobody left. You cannot reconcile with anybody. The only thing you're reconciling is your own guilt by changing the name. Yes. To me, the Beothic is something that is seen as important. And we must not forget what happened. And Newfoundland and Labrador does a very good job to make sure we remember. Where my grandparents yeah. come from, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be called the Beothic Fisheries in Bonavista Bay. It was Beothic Fish Plant. 
they have no business to change anything. It's just, I think the liberals wanted to seem like they were woke, like they were interested in social values and picked a fight that they didn't think they would get kicked back on because an indigenous group said And then when people, including some indigenous folks, said, I don't don't agree with you. I I don't think this is right. I think you need to listen to the people and not the political interests of some of our elected leaders. And I've been on the fence about this whole, do you listen to the elected leadership or not? When it comes to these things because of pipelines in BC. Oh, yes, yes. And And I've done some research on this. And there was a great video put out by Pierre Polyev who they had testimony from an indigenous leader in BC and it became around Greenpeace. And he said, when we make a decision on if a pipeline should go through our area, we do consult with the public. And the public is usually on board, except for one or two people, but the majority of the people are who want this. So then the Greenpeace come in and they say, this is bad. We don't want it. And they're like, okay, well, our people want it. And we don't really care what you say because our people want this. It's going to take them out of poverty. It's a chance for us to finally have clean drinking water. It's a chance for us to move forward and move away from this, this, this torn life that we have. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. the same kind of thing happened here except these political leaders forgot to listen to what people wanted. They were just like, we're going to go meet with the government. We're going to ask for a name change, regardless of what anybody who elected us wants. They're not even from the area, the people that proposed this. Yep. No, and it, it, it's, it's unacceptable. It was like, that's racist. Let's change it. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's it, this it's certain groups trying to do it in a way that benefits them. Now I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to like, and I just want to say like, I'm not trying to say like any group is specifically responsible for, for things that have happened in the past. I'm not trying to say like, you know, it, it's to cover up a, a guilty conscience. And I'm not trying to smear like, like the Mi'kmaq people, not, not one bit. Oh, you know, me, I, I am one. Me, me either. But, but at some point you have to accept the part you play. So there's no, yes, sp- and- it's, it's, it's accepting the part and accepting our history for what it is, is in 2021, we're more interested in trying to erase history instead of embracing history and looking at it and saying, yeah, we really screwed up. We really fucked dog on this one and yep. we messed up and we messed up bad and we need to do something to correct it. In this scenario, it's too late to be corrected because they're all gone. You can't correct it. So the least you can do is bring them home, leave the island the way it is named, and just suck it up for now. Pick another thing that's actually oppressing you because there's enough there that you can go through the list and pick, and I will stand by you and fight with you in St. John's at Parliament Hill tomorrow. Tomorrow. I would would do it. But this is not one of these items. But Lenny, like, like I got to be honest, like, like I think the liberal government got onto it as a way of kind of like, 
looking like they were committed to the idea of reconciliation without really doing anything meaningful. You know, they just wanted right. to make certain groups feel like like they were doing something. And I mean, it, it, it's an empty gesture. Yes. Um, and because I mean, like, we're going to, okay, we'll change the name from Red Indian Lake to Peaceful Mi'kmaq Name Lake, you know, um, or, or whatever they would want to change it, some other name even. Like, is that really going to improve the situation of Indigenous people in Newfoundland and Labrador? It, it's not. I mean, why aren't we looking at increasing services and, and infrastructure in places like McCovic and, and Cartwright and, and you know, um, um, these other group, these other places, you know, within Labrador, you know, which is, which is still, you know, relatively isolated in comparison to the rest of the province. I mean, there's, and Sheshashi even, like, like there's, like, why aren't we doing anything to improve the situation there? We have a lot of issues there. We have issues with, um, with foster care, you know, with social workers coming in and, and, and removing children. And these social workers are, are not local. They're not indigenous. Right. They're, you know, they're, they're white people from, from like the island. Like, like, why aren't we having a conversation? But this, this is much more important towards reconciliation than um, Red Indian Lake. I mean, I mean, it we're we're missing the important chances because, like, I, I remember, like, and and you know, like, like this that issue, especially like the the children being taken from their homes, you know, um, by these these white social workers. Mm-hmm. Now, while I will admit, well, I will say that it's it, it's probably not done as like just to just for the sake of doing it, right. but it's it it's still not right. You know, these children are being removed and they're being taken away and put somewhere where their language isn't used, where their culture is not um, always honored and respected. Right. It's, and and if you want reconciliation, if you want to show that you're doing something, fix that. Fix. The, the, the supply situation in, in these remote indigenous communities in Labrador. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't don't just do name pointless, useless gestures that, that help nobody except your own ego. You know, it's I mean it it just angers me that we can do so much like so many things are such common sense solutions to. And we just can't seem to get around to doing it. We're, we're so focused on, you know, the woke thing to do right. this week. You know, um, it's it's ridiculous. And I mean, well, sooner or later, you know what, Lenny, we're not going to have the money to, to name anything anyway, because we can't afford a damn sign. Um, because the Auditor General, the, the Auditor General of the province has said we're broke. And uh, it's not, it's not a surprise. We've tried to put political rhetoric on it all the time. But like, there's a hope and there's a future. Well, guess what? You wake up tomorrow, there is hope and there's a future, but it doesn't always mean that it's going to be pretty. No, there's a hope and there's a future. It generally isn't in Newfoundland. And and I hate to say that, man. Like, we, we both came back. We came home. Mm-hmm. And, like, what did we come home to? What did we, what, what did we get as a welcome? This bankrupt badly run province that's just ramming itself into the ground willingly mm-hmm. you know like and and we're, we're scared to do anything but meanwhile we have all these stupid stupid projects that they're trying to do with these stupidly optimistic names you know the way forward um all hands on deck 
Um, you know, God, it's all nautical crap too, and it's it's, it's irritating. Um, the best you know, thing because you like can put out right now is I, I I don't believe Newfoundland is dead. No, I I don't it's close. We can't get out of it because we are knowing to get out of it. We are knowing to put ourselves in a spot where there's absolutely no way out except for hard work. And when it comes to hard work, when it comes to adversity, when it comes to having your back against the wall, there's no one you want in your corner more than a Newfoundlander. Oh my God. Because you're, you're absolutely just, we're some of the most resilient and strong people because everywhere we've gone, we've been made fun of. But everywhere we've gone, we've always succeeded because we may not be the smartest person in the room, but God damn it, we're the hardest working. And at the end of the day, that also makes us the smartest. So we have the opportunity to get out of it. But the politicians in St. John's need to get out of the way. They need to stop saying, oh, I'm identified as as a liberal. I'm identified as a Tory. God damn it, I'm an NDP or I'm the Alliance or... I'm an independent because at the end of the day, the one thing you all have in common is you're all from this great province of Newfoundland and Labrador. So I don't care which party you were elected by. You are now the government, whether you're the government in power or the opposition, you all work for the government of Newfoundland and Labrador and you all suck the tea to the taxpayer. And it's time to suck it up and start listening and do what needs to be done. Right. There will the absolutely way, like, be pain. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Newfoundland is going to look much different when we come out of this, but it will be for the better. Yep. We don't need button um, social assistance checks and laying people off in the masses to get them to go away. There's ways we can do it where there's minimal job loss, where most of the social programming, the most important social programming stays in place. To get out of it, but no political party right now has a plan or wants to say it. Yep, yep. Um, no, and I, um, you're absolutely right on that. And by the way, I, I gotta say, like, I think we should just make Pierre Polliver the governor of Newfoundland. Oh, just, 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 God. just, just fire everyone and just say, Here, Pierre, here's, here's the keys. Um, make sure you shut the lights off every night at six and have a great day. Yes. Um, and I mean, that would probably be a little bit better, but uh, you know, Hey, we can't have everything we want. Um, hey, listen, this but, province seems yeah. to love the three, um, the three P partnerships. <laughs> Why not yeah. have premier Pierre Polly invest your three P's right there. Yep. That is, that is, that's a three P. And maybe we should have a petition to send Pierre to Newfoundland. Oh, you know, like yes, like that would actually next PCAGM. Oh man, that would be awesome. I, I would, you know what? I, I would actually brave a a, a PCAGM just for that. I would go just to hear Pierre Polliver um, mm-hmm. announce that he is going to be running for the leadership of the PC party in Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the house, you know he... point them all. Hey, point them all for Pierre, man. Yeah, all no, make perfect. make that make yeah. PM for Pierre. 
like that would just be it. Um, I actually would like to see him do ads against Andrew Fury. He does so so many good fake like Twitter ads uh, or Twitter movies for um, against Trudeau. Um, like every time a budget comes out, um, and it's him just drinking uncontrollably. Um, it's it's awesome. He he always does a good job. Like I I would love to have something like that. And do you notice that like almost every long episode we ever do, we always end up talking about the finances. Um. Like, remember back when we first did this show, like, um, when we tried to cover the budget? Our budget, where we both got obliterated and didn't even remember we did it? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even post the damn thing. No. It, that was, that was the funny thing about that. Like, like, it was so much fun. And then we're like, did we post this? Nope. No. Because, I mean, we just had enough rants at night for both of us to become premier the next day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was oh, that really? was a time. Like, can you imagine when the next budget comes out? Like, <laughs> oh god, that's gonna be the longest. I wish um, we could find a way to do a budget night special when the budget is out and NTV turns off their lights to go home at night. Ernest and Lenny take over within the trenches live stream podcast. Oh, oh my god, it would be excellent. Maybe that's something um, we can do in June. That hey man, like that would be pretty good. We just we're gonna sneak into the NTV studio, um, you know, avoid Glenn Carter and just you know get on the stage because I, mean, I, I don't think Glenn Carter ever goes home. Um, I think so. I think he had the house, I think he has a bed there somewhere. He, he has a cot somewhere because he, he's too busy like getting ready for the um, the next big day when he has to read it all the, the anniversaries and birthdays. And that, that's Glenn. That, that, that's Glenn Carter's moment of of, um, of glory on on yeah. TV news. Um, uh, by the way, I gotta love like the one thing I love about Newfoundland about NTV is that people keep sneaking in celebrities <laughs> as um, as anniversaries and birthdays. It's awesome. It's remember it was it Errol Smith? No, it was Axel Rose and and yes. someone else. It was it, and then they had Johnny Cash. <laughs> They got Johnny Cash in there and no and like listen, like like I'm sorry to say this, but like the average watching age of NTV is 75. So I'm pretty sure they all know what Johnny Cash and his youth looks like. Yeah. Um I mean it's it's awesome. Like I I I want them to like get like I don't know, George Bush or something like that next. Like that would be awesome. Um or like Fidel Castro or something like that, you know. Congratulations to Gonzalez Renault from Gander. Yeah. Big old beard on him. Um looking great, my friend. You look you don't look 85. <laughs> um like like there's so much going on right now though, man. Like we we've covered a lot tonight. Um and I, I like at a risk of making this into like a repeat of that budget episode, I think. We should probably like leave the leave the rest of the fun, like especially like the all the reports, because I mean we, we kind of started off talking about the reports and then we just went off into healthcare. I think that's um, what makes the show so great is it always starts one way and ends in a completely different way, and that's for for those of you who don't know, most podcasts that you will listen to, at least pre COVID, were edited and takes were done. 
And in the trenches, you get the rise to the rise. We curse, it's recorded. It, it, it goes right to air. We don't edit anything. We don't redo episodes unless one gets deleted, which has never happened. There was one time my yeah. computer crashed. We thought it was all gone, but it all magically appeared two days later somehow. Still God wants us to do the podcast. That's right. But we, we don't edit anything. What, what we say is right off the cuff. It's right right from the heart. And, and if we ever have to go back on anything we say, it's because someone has corrected us and changed their mind. So yep. if you're ever wondering and, about the authenticity of Ernest Snooks and Lenny Teller, this is this is where you get it. Yep. And if you if there's something that you don't agree with us on and you want to challenge us, you know, listen, our our DMs are open. Feel free to give us a shout. Like if you want to come on the show and, and respectfully, you know, debate something that we've said or or pointed out, we I, me personally, I I'd I'd like it. You know, it, it would it would add a you know a bit of a conversation. Um, and you know, like, like the things that we say, we don't say them from, you know, to offend anyone or to, to hurt them Mm -hmm. or to, you know, to, you know, put one group against each other or another or anything like that. Like, like the things we say are just, you know, we're just two normal guys who love where we live and we're a bit ballsy, you know, um, sorry if that offends any um any feminists um you know to use that kind of masculine language um but you know like we like i've always learned that you know you certain things you you can't pussyfoot around you know you have to kind of come out swinging and if somebody wants to correct you well the door is open and they can do that and i mean we can have a discussion and if you can change my mind awesome and if i can change your mind awesome but like, I'm gonna have to say this because I mean, the way the world has gone and the wokes, wokeists, and everything like that. Like, God, there's so many terms now, dude. It's driving me nuts. Um, but like, we're not far right. We're definitely not racists. We're not sexist or homophobic or anything like that. You know, we we just we're just two dudes who like doing a podcast and talking about Newfoundland and making fun of sometimes making fun of the government because Mm. the government is not always the best run. You know, like we, we don't do this because we want to, you know, do anything extreme. We're just doing it because we want to get people thinking, we want to have good conversations and, and, and good times. And I mean, we're, we're friends. We like doing this for fun. You know, we're not, we're not, trying to accomplish any kind of specific political goals you know if we if we make you pick up a book on conservative politics that's good enough for me or we get you thinking that's a victory in itself yeah no i just i just gotta point that out you know the conversations we have on this podcast are the same conversations we have every every saturday morning at a and w (laughs) and yep we, yep. we, we don't change we we are who we are and we're, we're both very open-minded folks and there are people we're both very liberal we, yeah, we, there, we are, there are people liberal. in the conservative in, in conservative canada who think when we identify as conservatives that we're a joke but as yep. i don't know who said it last night in america 
that the Republican Party in America is in shambles. Uh. They, they have a group that talk really loud of radicals. All this, by the way, has been caused by the Democrats. But there's a group in the GOP who talk very loudly and very radicalized on the alt-right, just as the Democrats have gone to the alt-left. It was only a natural transition. But then there's folks in the middle who are Republicans. And I feel in this country, you do have your people on the extreme right and your people on the extreme left. And the more extreme the both of them go, the more people are getting lost. Right now, I feel you and I are in that that group that are getting lost in conservatism because we're not strong conservatives and we're not strong liberals. We literally sit in the center and we see good in both sides. And uh, except economically, I got I got to point that out. I'm I'm a I'm a fiscal conservative. I I can't budge. But sorry, sorry, man. Go on. Go on. Still conservative, but not at all costs. I agree in balanced budgets and making hard choices. That's what makes me a conservative. Yes. Is if I need to pay for a low-income person's dental care, that's going to take priority over trying to save a multi-million-dollar business a hundred thousand dollars this year. Oh no! I like. Okay, we got to do an episode about what we specifically believe in, like both of us and <laughs> we, we really, we really should, because I mean, yeah. then like that would kind of like keep the the wokists a little bit off our backs, right? Because I mean, then like you're saying, like you have a secret like conservative agenda to privatize literally everything, and 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 hook grandma up to some kind of like treadmill where she'll generate electricity for you. <laughs> something weird like that we'll just be like nope refer to episode, episode like 17 and this is where we list literally everything we believe in absolutely um and i've i've, I've said it on every podcast that i've ever done like i i wear my my beliefs on my sleeve yeah like like i i'm i'm not a social conservative i generally do not care what you do with your life no as me. long as it as long as it does not interfere with my right to freely and safely enjoy mine yeah. Um, but you know what, man? It's been a good episode. Um, we're getting kind of rambling again. Um, like we should do another one really soon. We keep saying that. We know we're, we're sorry to our listeners. Um, stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're 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 trying. You know, we're we're making the effort. And who knows? June we could have a um, in the trenches live from St. John's. Right, that'd be kind of fun live from um, live from George Street. Um, watch someone fire a bottle at us, guaranteed. <laughs> um, but uh, especially if we go to like the Katie, like Katie Beatty or something like that, like one of those like NDP like strongholds. Um, be perfect. We're, we're, in the trenches, oh, town no, hall no. in Kitty Beatty. <laughs> oh. Oh dear God! At the brewery, brewery. because that's going to be a long, long night. So we're going to be at the brewery. Oh yeah, but but I can already see like like Lorraine Michael like roaring up the hill, like ready to fight. (laughs) Um, By the way, I got I got to say this really quickly. Speaking of NDP leaders, do you notice that like Earl McCurdy looks like Bernie Sanders? Yes, like Bernie Sanders. 
He was. And and just like Bernie Sanders, he never win. He never won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry to roll McCurdy. His heart's in the right place. But I, I, I always found that funny because I remember when he when, – and then the election was on, and Earl McCurdy was in was in was running. Um, Bernie Sanders was becoming like a thing, and um, that bird landed on his on his podium. Same with Bernie Sanders. So people were calling him like Earl McBurdy or something like that. That's funny. Um, oh man, it it was. But like just like Bernie Sanders, I said, I, I remember saying like. Just like Bernie Sanders, he's never going to win. And by God, he didn't even win a seat. Um, <laughs> mostly because that was Lorraine Michael's fault. Lorraine Michael didn't want Earl McCurdy to win. Um, so she wouldn't give up her own seat in order to help him. Um, but that's, that's Lorraine Michael. That's a whole different story. But um, you know what? We, 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 we are in the works of planning something like that. Maybe we'll have like... Uh, East Coast fan meeting or something like that. Social distancing, of course, because we're not we're not Jason Kenny. Um, <laughs> and we'll we'll go for they're like we're not having like maskless rodeos or anything like that, which does not sound fun. Mm. Um, so we'll 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 talk. But Lenny, is there anything you wanna you wanna say before we close up for tonight? Uh, just everybody stay safe out there. The Atlantic bubble is far from happening now and things around us are um, picking up again it's picking up in our own province again and uh, i just want to to tell everybody to be safe out there i want to thank you for sticking with this podcast and listening i i really really hope we don't go into another lockdown um oh god me too just just do what we're supposed to to keep yourself safe your neighbor safe and First and foremost, keep your mental health in check where it should be. And yes, and, and, and you can do that by liking and subscribing to the podcast. And if you want a good stay-at-home activity with, you know, several hours of, of two dudes talking about Newfoundland mm-hmm. um, and swearing a lot, um, mostly Lenny, um, <laughs> um, feel free to share us with your friends you know we we we, we do this for fun but you know why I, I wouldn't mind having a few bands you know it's, it's kind of nice to have that you know like team earnest and team lenny kind of a a mentality yes, I agree. Um, the first five guests get a get a uh, or the first five people to join us again and let us know that they've subscribed i will send you a signed copy of a photo of liver bear um yes and by the sounds of it, we now have two T-shirts. The first one is "Don't blame me." I wanted John Abbott, and the second one is uh, should be a picture of John Hogan's head. It says Johnny Justice. Oh my God! Yes, Justice Johnny Hogan. <laughs> like Johnny Justice. Oh, Justice, like Johnny. Justice Johnny Hogan. That that's what it should be. Like just a big picture of that. Like we don't need no. Um, what was it? We don't need no reformation. Like, you know, instead of we don't need no education, no, yeah. we don't need no electoral reformation. Um, that or a picture, a side-by-side of him and Barney Fife. Oh, uh, no, he, he'll sue us. He's a lawyer. I don't want to get sued. Um, Fair enough. But no, like, but like uh, underneath it would be um, Tories 
leave the leave reforms alone or something like that. Um, because the liberals don't want to change the election because they won. Um, we're gonna have to do up. Me and you are gonna sit down pretty soon and literally like design these shirts and and yes. try. Because I mean, like I, I actually do want to get the um the, the don't blame me. I wanted Abbott to win shirt. I I I keep saying it. I'm working on it, but I just don't have the time. Right. <laughs> but like, I really want that shirt. I want and maybe even like a liberal bear shirt. We need a liberal bear shirt. Like one that just says, <laughs> um, I won't, qu- I won't ask any questions, you know, so- love liberal bear, uh, or I won't question your policies, you know, something like that. Um, and, and by the way, I'm just going to say this really quickly. Shout out to Chess Crosby for um, still doing the Facebook. Mm-hmm. I, I actually got to admit, I actually like him more as, as like private citizen Crosby than as, as leader chess, like, like, he's not a, he's a bit more unfiltered but he's still very elegant and yes. you know like i've never been a huge fan of chess but i actually i actually got to admit i like this and um you know good on him for not just running away um so i guess with that it's another episode it All is done. it's been a fun one it has it has you have any closing remarks sir Nope. Just uh, wash your hands. Um, subscribe to the show again. I got to keep plugging us, and um, stay safe, everyone. Please, we love you. Absolutely, and that's it from myself, Lenny Teller, and Ernest Stokes from In the Trenches, Hold Fast, Newfoundland and Labrador, and we will hopefully, you will hopefully, sorry, hear from us next week. And if not, please remember we're just two guys that work full time who like to talk politics, and we can't always find an hour to spare to sit down but we are trying our best we love you all we are still the greatest province that this country has to offer good night folks yes good night